This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Toronto is not only dealing with a housing crisis, the city is running out of burial space. And boomers are waiting longer to downsize. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Toronto General Hospital has been ranked third in the world in an annual list from Newsweek magazine from 2,400 hospitals in 30 countries. The hospitals were ranked based on patient satisfaction as well as other metrics, including doctor-patient and nurse-patient ratios. The B.C. government is courting striking doctors in the U.K. by offering wages double what they make now. But a British Columbia-based recruiter says the province is one of the hardest places for internationally trained doctors to get into. A current ad campaign in B.C. includes a link to a health recruitment website, that features a video of a float plane, mountains, and the ocean. There are almost 200,000 pension plan members in Ontario who've lost track of their plans, with more than $3 billion in stranded benefits. That's because when it comes to pensions, times have changed. People used to work the same job for most of their lives, but if you now have pensions from different places... Financial planners suggest you get their records to avoid lost benefits when it's time to retire. New virtual reality treatment for palliative care patients has shown a 50% reduction in depression and pain after just a 20-minute session. Patients used headsets for a 3D computer-generated environment with each experience tailored to the individual patient, whether it was revisiting a trip they took abroad or visiting their birth home. The just-published study out of Australia involved patients ranging in age from 48 to 87. You may want to check your storage area for any old, unopened hockey cards, as collecting them was big back in the day for Zoomers. One Saskatchewan family is a whole lot richer after auctioning off an entire case of unopened 1979 hockey cards for more than $5 million Canadian. That's a few million more than the estimate. The reason the box is so valuable is that it could contain over 20 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. The 16 boxes have roughly 10,000 cards. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Death is often considered a taboo subject, but funeral homes in Toronto are sounding the alarm about a crisis, lack of space to bury the dead. Some industry experts predict space will run out in as little as 10 years. The dire situation reflects the current housing crisis, where land is a premium. We reached Kim Hunter, owner of Humphrey Funeral Home, to talk about changes in the funeral industry. So we hear very little about the lack of space to bury the dead. How desperate is the situation in Toronto? Well, 
I think it's a, certainly a concern over the next uh, 20 to 30 years uh, that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to address the issue and, and whether we've got the opportunity to deal with uh, land in uh, Toronto uh, will be the big question. One industry expert has warned that Toronto could be the first municipality in Ontario or even Canada to run out of burial ground. Are, are city planners prepared for this scenario? Uh, from the the article that I was involved in, it certainly doesn't sound like they are. Mm-hmm. And they're not, it doesn't seem like they're addressing the issue. Yeah, you're referring to the online publication, The Local, which... Uh, says that in 14 years, 25,000 Torontonians will die every year. That's an increase of 7,000 over the current rates, which means that 200 cemeteries in Toronto will run out of space, as you said, within as little as even 20 to 30 years. Yes, it could happen. So will loved ones start looking outside the city? Well, if they don't have already, uh, if they haven't already obtained cemetery uh, property in the city, they're going to have to look outside, uh, you know, further in the GTA. I've heard anecdotally that there are plots that are being sold on sites like Kijiji. Is this something you're aware of? I don't know much about it, but yes, I am aware of it. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about other cultures. In Hong Kong, they encourage its residents to be cremated, with Singapore having a 15-year limit on burial plots. Um, What what options are available in the Toronto area? Well, you you certainly have the option of, of cremation or burial. I think the challenge is going to be that down the road, that if you're looking to buy an actual cemetery lot to do an adult burial, you're going to have to look outside of the city. So you're not going to have the luxury of having someone buried here in the city who's a member of, a fa- of your family. Is the lack of space going to prompt families to maybe search for alternate means of burial? I think you'll you'll see that. Uh, I, I think what the end result of all this is going to mean there's going to be more cremation. Cremation it, it will be an option that they'll be far more interested in. So I, what I predict will happen is a, is an increase in the cremation rate. Now, when you say that, the confusion I have though with cremation is that some still prefer to bury the uh, cremated remains in a in a in a plot. Well, that's, that's true, but that's lot, the, the, there are less uh, people interested in that. So, yes, there is a percentage of people that want to have cremated remains buried in a cemetery lot, but there's options that others uh, prefer to, to do other than going to the organized cemetery. And in, in your experience, is that happening more with the funerals that you help arrange? Uh, certainly, we're seeing an increase in people that are taking cremated remains home after a funeral here. What they're doing with them, I'm not necessarily aware of, but they're certainly not going to a conventional cemetery to have them buried. So there are different kinds of funeral homes in the area, some private, um, some family-run. For people who need um, to contact a funeral home after the death of a loved one, what are some of the differences, and uh, you know, how, do you, how do you choose? Well, I, I, I think that uh, there's the element, you know, in, the, in my community here, we have some corporate uh, funeral homes, and then we have uh, another family-owned funeral home. And um, I think that, you know, my opinion is uh, personally that, uh, you know, that people are prepared to, you know, buy uh, products from a grocery store from a, a large corporation, but um, I'm not so sure that uh, a corporate environment is maybe the choice that everybody would want related to something so personal as the death of a family member. 
Right, they kind of want it more tailored to, mm-hmm. to meet the individual needs. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and that's certainly a, a strong point that comes with uh, any family-owned funeral home. Uh, but, you know, corporate-owned funeral homes will also offer uh, different options, but it's, uh, you know, it's the level of staff and the level of service, I think, that's so important. I would advise the consumer to... Um, to do some research, whatever funeral home they're going to uh, to, to uh, potentially use, you know, ask the questions: Are they family owned? Ask the questions: Are they corporate owned? And go see the facilities and see if you're comfortable. And how are you planning for this foreseen lack of space in terms of funeral planning? Well, we'll just have to ad- adjust and, and adapt to it because we don't. Um, myself as a family-owned business, I mean, we don't own any cemetery properties as far as uh, you know, like our corporate uh, competitors. So, we're just going to have to adapt to it. But and uh, um, what it's going to mean is, is for example, if people are buying uh, cemetery lots outside the city, it's going to be uh, you know longer times to actually finish and complete a funeral because of the driving distance. Why is it as a society we find it so difficult or it's a taboo subject to discuss um, funeral arrangement? Or do you find that kind of is changing? Well, I think it's changing to a certain uh, a, a certain point it is. I mean, there's a lot of cult, new cultures to uh, Toronto that are very open about uh, death and the aspects of and, and, and how it relates to how we live our lives and that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's still an element of society that just doesn't want to talk about death, period. Kim Hunter, thank you for this. Thank you. That was Kim Hunter, owner of Humphrey Funeral Home. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, forget downsizing. Seniors are staying in their homes much longer. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. There's been a demographic shift when it comes to boomers downsizing from their homes. In fact, according to Canada Mortgage and Housing, seniors are now less likely to sell their homes before the age of 85, a big change from just three decades ago. Boomers are not expected to downsize in a meaningful way until mid-2040. Better health and lack of housing are driving the trend. We reached CMHC economist Francis Cordellino, who authored a recent study that confirms the trend. What's this latest trend you're seeing? How long are seniors choosing to stay in their homes rather than downsize? So if we look at the data that started back in the 90s, so there were some elderly people who were selling their homes, but that was a, was a minority, especially when they were a bit younger. And if we look at the recent, more recent data that we've got, we saw that uh, seniors now tend to stay at homes a bit longer than before. So we can imagine that better health, or wealth isn't a player because uh, they, they have the opportunity to stay at their home more longer. But the other thing is that at the moment in the market, there's a lack of options. So if you want to sell your home, you need to move somewhere. You need to buy a condo. You need to go back to the rental market. And there's not a lot of options in the market, and it's quite expensive. So people will be less inclined to sell their properties, and they're going to stay in it. So, in fact, you found that some are around 85. The, the age is nudged up to even approximately 85 for people to stay in their homes. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you look at the proportion of people selling their own when they're around 75 or 80, most of them will sell in their homes. But we're starting to see that increase when they reach around 85, 90 years old. So they're gonna, it seems that they're going to stay as most as they, they can in, in their homes. But one one day they will need to probably downsize, but it will be it will be quite later in their life. And the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation did release a report just a few months ago called Understanding the Impact of Senior Households on Canada's Market. In addition to what you've told me now, what else did it find about seniors and downsizing? When we look at the data for all Canada using the census data, we saw that, yes, there were some households that were doing the moving to a condo or going back to rental market, living to those smaller units. But that was a minority of households. Most people are staying in their homes. And that was, I would say, the most interesting findings of the report that, yes, there's a lot of stories of people moving to those smaller units. But in fact, it's a minority of people and most of those senior households will stay in their homes as long as they can. So you talk about downsizing from the inside. What does that mean? There's a lot of those households who own those big homes as much as young families but when you reach 75, 80 years old, probably you don't need those three bedrooms. Probably you only use one or two bedrooms. So one of the things downsizing from the inside is that you're going to still live in those that big single-family homes that you had probably most of your life, but you're not going to use all the rooms that are in it. So you're going to downsize from the inside, and that's probably what's happening in large cities like uh, Toronto, Vancouver, and to a smaller extent, Montreal. So in defense of boomers and staying in their homes, millennials often complain that there's no availability of housing on the market for them because boomers are staying in their big homes longer. But there are several reasons for that. I was, I was saying also lack of options. And one of the things that the report was mentioning is that if they stay in their homes for a lot of different reasons, but maybe we could try to find a way to extend supply uh, through that uh, through that single-family homes. So it could be laneway homes, accessory suites, like maybe the basement is converted, being converted into a rental unit. Uh, so there's a lot of different options to increase supply, maybe with those single-family homes. It's not for everyone. We quite agree. We agree with that. So not everyone will want to transform their single-family homes to, to maybe have some somebody who lives in the basement or with a laneway homes. But once again, it's a way that we could extend at some extent the supply on the market. In the States, uh, empty nest baby boomers own 28%, so just under a third of the nation's largest homes. Is that How does that compare with Canada? If I remember correctly, I think that it's what around two-thirds of senior households owns the single-family homes, and the other uh, the 33% left with that our owners would own a condo. So most of them are still in that single-family homes we just talked about. Are Canadians driven by home ownership? So in the last few years, what we said in a lot of places, because there's a lack of affordability of the market, we're starting to see an increase in the renter's rate, especially among uh, first-time home buyers or young people. And price level have increased a lot in the last few years. More difficult to buy that first home, that first condo. So people uh, around 30 years old, 35, 40, it's more difficult and they tend to be more renters than the people at the same age five or 10 years ago. And once again, it just shows that we need to increase the supply in the market because there's a lack of affordability. Francis, thank you for this. Thank you very much. That was Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation economist Francis Cordellino. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me today. 
Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. With technical production by Ian Robertson. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.